Good morning, church. I think um, if I had to break down my life into two chapters, the first chapter of my life would be characterized by me trying to be friends with the world. Um, I think I realized that I was some, that God had changed me into someone completely different whenever I no longer wanted to placate the world. I never cared what the world thought. Until I was saved, I cared absolutely what the world thought of me. Um, I don't know if this is the way it was with y'all. Is sitting in the back of the bus still cool in high school? Raise your hand if it was cool back when you went to high school. Okay. If you're not raising your hands because you didn't sit in the back of the bus. Man, when I, I got to sit, I got to go travel with the varsity basketball team when I was a freshman. I didn't get to sit in the back. But man, did I want to. You know, the seniors were there, the juniors were there, all the underclassmen sat at the front. If they had asked me to come back there, I'd come back there in a heartbeat. That's, where, that's, that's like, why, like me in the world before I was saved. If the world said, come on, I was there. I cared what the world thought. I cared what that, its opinion of me um, was. There was nothing I wasn't willing to do within reason to look good in the eyes of the world. I was like an underclassman in the front of the bus. Whatever you want me to do, I'll fit in, I'll do it. And I grew up and sat in the back of the bus. And then God changed my heart, and I think one of the first ways I could tell that I was someone different, I just didn't care anymore. I didn't care what the world thought. I was okay sitting in the front of the bus. I think a lot of us today, a lot of Christians today, are still chasing the back of the bus. They want to look good. And the only thing that's going to sustain us in a world that really hasn't changed since these words were written is to love Jesus more than the people in the back of the bus. That's the only way it works. Unless you love Jesus more than the world, you really want to look good for the world. Before we begin this morning, we're going to talk about the world. I want to clarify what that word means, the world. It gets used a lot in Scripture. In our text this morning, Jesus says that the world hates us because it hates who? Jesus. What is the world? I think we need to define that before we begin this morning. What does John mean when he says the world? He uses it a lot. We saw it in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He's using it again. I think the best definition of the world actually comes from 1 John, same author. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I think this gives us a really good definition of what the world is. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now here we go. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the world includes our flesh, what we want to look at, what we want to do, 
and our ego. It includes all those things. It's hard to nail down and patch together a definitive um, definition. But as far as we can tell, as far as what John is telling us, it includes that. Now, therefore, the world is not Satan. Now, more often than not, the world and Satan want the same thing. 2 Corinthians 4 says that Satan is the God of this world. The world is not a particular group of people. The world is not a political party, and it's not a particular country. The world is whatever exists temporarily in this life which stands opposed to the light of the gospel and to the authority of God's kingdom. That's the best, that's Abi's definition. If you're going to write that one down, write in parentheses, that's what Abi said. That's, I didn't get that from Piper or anything. The reason this is important is because when I say the world this morning, and I'm going to use it a lot because it's in our, our passage a lot, I want you to try as hard as you can not to secretly in the back of your mind have a person's face or someone you don't like and make them unconsciously the world as I speak. Because if the world is a group, is a place, is a thing in your mind, you have made it completely too small. Worldliness is everywhere. And Jesus says it hates Jesus. Therefore, anyone who is in Jesus, it also hates. And so without any further ado, if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 18 through, and then we're actually going to go through the first four verses of chapter 16. And when you've found that, please stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 15, verses 18. And the Holy Spirit says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now that they have, now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that I know that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you, away, keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Let's pray. Father, the hour is coming. Indeed, the hour is upon us when we are hated because we bear the name of Jesus. 
Father, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would cultivate an attitude of peace, that you would foster in our hearts patience and self-control and hope instead of bitterness, complaining, and anger. Father, the world hates us, and the only proper response to the world's hate is the love of Jesus. Father, let the gospel be sufficient for us this morning. Teach us this morning what it means. And you say that the world has hated us because it hate you first. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. I'd like to boil down Jesus' message here to two things this morning. The world will hate Christians the way it hated Jesus. And it hates Jesus because it hates the Father. Pretty simple. Let's read verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Therefore, Jesus says, God chose us out of the world. He plucked us out. He drew us out, which means at one point, everyone in this room was part of the world. If you're in Christ today, you were such for some of you, as Paul says. Therefore, that means that there is no such thing as a Christian who got to bypass the world. That's not how a testimony works. <laughs> I was kind of a bad person. Now I'm a really good person. No, you were a terrible person. You went from being born once to twice born, but in between those, you were of the world. The life of the Christian goes something like this. You were born in sin. You became a part of the world. God chose you out of the world. You believed in Jesus. You were born again into a new family preparing for another world as this one passes away. To be a Christian is to be someone who was chosen by God from the world. I'm going to repeat that one more time. To be a Christian is to be someone who was chosen by God from the world. Now, of course, I'm going to give you a quote from Jonathan Edwards. We must see our own vileness and wickedness and lie down in the dust before God and own that we deserve nothing but to be cast into hell and we must come to Christ and trust in Him only and not in our own righteousness for salvation. That's how worldly people get saved. By repudiating the world. I know, I know some folks today who are like, oh, no, I mean, I've never really been lost. I mean, I think I've always kind of known Jesus. They've either got a really foggy memory or they're still in the world. Because remember what Jesus says in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. That means people who are of the world, they fit in nicely in the world. They're comfortable with the world. There's nobody that really hates them because... They're like them. They're on the same team. I think it's safe to say if you've never encountered hatred in this life for what you believe or the fruit that you bear, you're still the world. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's not a probability. That's a guarantee. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning... You will be ostracized, you will be marginalized, you will be belittled, 
But if you're of the world, that you don't get that. I'm going to admit to you this morning, it's still hard for me to go back to the city of Lexington, Kentucky sometimes. It's hard. Because when I lived in that city, I was of the world. The city of Lexington loved me and I loved it. I didn't offend anybody with my lifestyle. I didn't make anybody feel uncomfortable there. I fit in well there. I lived in such a way that the world looked at me and said, it's okay, guys, Avi's one of us. It hurts me now to think how good a friend I was with the world. Verse 19, if you're of the world, the world will love you as its own. I was beloved by the world. I loved me some world. And I'm going to tell you this morning, please hear me now. Don't miss this. Don't think for a second that if you live in good old Covington, Georgia, that the world can't hate you too. When Jesus spoke of the world, he didn't make a little parenthesis and say, except Newton County. He didn't say that. There is plenty of worldliness to go around here, folks. There are people in this county who worship sports. There are people who worship money in this town. There are people who worship social status in this town. There are people who worship their kids in this town. There are people who worship pleasure and comfort and vacations in this town. Two things. Such were some of you. And such were the people that Jesus came to die. And if you start to poke around at those things, if you start to make people feel guilty for the things they love and they put in front of Jesus, you're an extremist. You're a Puritan. You're a fundamentalist. I mean, today, if you were to go up to a couple who has... um, who misses maybe one or two months out of the year because their kid has baseball tournaments. And you go up to him and be like, I know your kid loves baseball, but is it worth it to miss church? Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get to say that. This is my family. You're some kind of extremist? My goodness. I'm just having a little baseball. This is an American. We, we're Christians. We just don't go to church for a sixth of the year. That's how the world will treat you once you dig around in what it loves most. If you abide in Christ and you bear fruit in Newton County, the world will hate you just as much as it does in New York City. If you abide in Christ and you bear fruit in Christ, the world will hate you as much in Newton County as it does in New York City. That's why Jesus warned us in verse 20. Remember the word that I said. By the way, you're not a sinner if your kid goes to baseball tournaments. Sorry. Want to get that one straight here, okay? Hold on now. Okay, all right. Woo. All right, I like baseball. <clears throat> Football's better. Um, Got to cover my bases there. Um, verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted you, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So Jesus is like, who are you to think that the world hates me but not you? 
It's almost arrogant to think that we can live as Christians in America and not endure the same persecution that our Lord did. The world has not become less worldly in 2,000 years. The world is the world. Are we prepared as Christians in the American South for people to hate us because we live and behave like Jesus? I'm going to tell you, all let me just, you know, I know this is a hard word. Let me go ahead and throw myself in with you. This is hard for me because I'm going to tell you, all I'm a people pleaser. That's my tendency. I don't like to be at odds with people. I want to be liked. I tell you, I'm still a pastor today. Sometimes I still want to be in the back of the bus. I don't like to be in conflict. And if that's you, Jesus has news. You're not going to please everybody. You got to be okay being hated by people if you're rolling with me. Yes, go and be reconciled with your brothers and sisters. Yes, love your enemies. Yes, walk the extra mile. But don't think for a second that you're going to be able to live in this life as a Christian being on good terms with the world. Won't happen. People, pleasers, beware. Christianity is not for those who want to placate the world. And there is nothing more off-putting in the eyes of our God than a Christian who wants to please the world here and honor their master here. A couple months ago, man, the sports theme just keeps coming. Um, I made a comment on social media about a football coach I didn't like. I think it got a lot of traction around here. People agreed with me. And um, it wasn't scathing. It wasn't nice. But it wasn't like expletive or, you know, it wasn't anything I was going to get kicked off of Facebook for. And I got a lot of feedback. People liked it. But I took it down. Felt guilty. My conscience was, was rattled. I got convicted by the Spirit, I dare say. The praise of lustful football fans did not compare with the praise of God, and I didn't want the world to love me like its own. Because that was a very worldly thing to post. And I'm going to tell you, we spend all this time talking about the way we live, the way we behave, the way we talk. I think we'll be judged for the way we post on the internet. Any comment I make about anyone or anything that is not in love or for the building up of his church, it's either to make myself look better or to placate the world. But Jesus' words aren't just to warn us, they're also to encourage us. Verse 21. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Meaning, the world we're gonna, world's going to hate you because it hated me. But don't worry, the only reason it actually hates you is because in reality it hates the Father. That should be encouragement to us. We should take solace in the fact that we're hated because we stand with God. One of the greatest earthly legacies that Jesus leaves us in this life is being hated by the world. It's like a badge of honor in this life to stand under the banner of the cross and be hated by the people who hate Jesus. 
In fact, I would go so far as to say, Paul doesn't even say it's a, just a guarantee that we'll be persecuted. Paul goes so far in Philippians 1.29 says, it's God's desire that you suffer. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, incredible verse. Don't miss this one. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. I mean, think about that. Just read it. It's like God's going, hey, I'm going to give you a gift. Suffer. God wants Christians to suffer for Him. How many times do you hear that in church? It's been granted to you not just simply to believe in the gospel, but to suffer in the name of the gospel. If you're not suffering for, as a Christian, you're missing out on God's gift for your life. There's no way to live as a Christian and kind of bypass the hard part. No, no, no. If you bypass the hard part, God's saying, no, that was for you. God wants us to experience what Jesus did in miniature in our lives. When I was a young man, early 20s, I decided to confront a group of my friends about the way that they spoke about women. I felt like it was um, dishonorable. I didn't want to be a part of it. There were more than three. And um, they didn't take it well. And I did it with tears in my eyes. Because I loved them. And uh, I don't think it's too, I mean, I think it's fair to say they told me to get out. Guess where I turned? To Jesus. And that's what God wants us to do when the world hates us. Suffering from the world, hatred from the world should turn us back to the gospel. And that is God's desire for you. When you feel like you don't belong, when you're not sitting in the back of the bus, when you feel like you're a little bit more prudish than your secular friends, God doesn't want you to sit there and just sulk. He wants you to turn around and go back to His grace and savor Jesus even more. And that is God's desire for your life. Here's a one that really kind of took me a long time to learn. We can't expect that people will hate us for any rational reason that we're ever going to understand. Raise your hand if you've ever had somebody who you felt just didn't like you and you just don't know why. Raise your hand. I hate that. I'm the kind of person who just wants to go up and be like, what is your problem? But I'm telling you, Scripture here, but let's read verse 25. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me, what? Without a cause. Which means that if they can hate Jesus Christ without a cause, you better believe they can find a reason to hate you without a cause. You can get to the end of that rainbow and there's not going to be a pot waiting for you. Sometimes people just don't like you. We have to be okay with that drive me nuts. But hatred isn't reasonable. They didn't send the Son of God to the cross for any rational reason. 
Therefore, according to Jesus, we shouldn't expect logical answers as to why the world hates us. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask what people's problem is occasionally. It doesn't mean we can't dig down deep and have hard questions with people who have beef with us. It doesn't mean we shouldn't look and see if maybe we're the problem. But the only thing that's going to sustain us when we're hated by the world is to love Jesus more than we love the world. People who love worldly acceptance more than Jesus cannot stand not to be liked. And people who treasure Jesus more than anything are okay if they don't fit in. Actually, verse 26 and 27, look here. Jesus sends the Spirit so that we're okay being misfits. Here it is. But when this Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus sends the Spirit so that we can endure hatred from the world. And so that we can bear witness about Jesus to the world. Warren Worsby, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. The world cannot see God, but they can see Christians. And what they see in us is what they will believe about God. Man, that's tweetable. That's why the Spirit came. The Spirit came, Jesus sent His Spirit so that we who have been chosen by God, they can see us and they can see our fruit and then they can see the vine. And then we lift Jesus on a pedestal. There is nothing more God-exalting in this world. There is no fragrance that is sweeter to Jesus than someone who is suffering and then the world sees their plight and then they lift Jesus up. I want to read the last four verses of chapter 16 so that we can end. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they've not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes you may remember what I told them to you. So sin is so perverse and so twisted that it can drive deeply religious people to persecute God's people. People will think they're actually doing the right thing by hating Jesus. I would dare say that time has come. But here's what we need to remember as Christians. When you go home this week, you go to your job. And you see that our country is divided. And you see that our communities are broken. And you hear people going, it ain't like it used to be. I had a guy over my house this week just went on and on about how Covington just not what it was. Remember this. It may look different, but the world has always been the world. There was never a time in this country when the world was less worldly. And number two, Jesus says that when the hour does come and people hate you for being a Christian, you can't say Jesus didn't warn you. I think we've gotten so comfortable in this country, especially in the South, 
in our little small town communities looking so much like Christianity that we forgot that the world isn't something out there. The world is something we're living in now. We're not supposed to fit in. We will be hated wherever we live. And so the people who insist on complaining about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket and how it's not what it used to be and how we need to take control back from the world, those people are ones who long to be friends with the world and not with Jesus. Meanwhile, Christians are peacefully and patiently enduring hatred from the world and they can do so because they love Jesus more than the world. Can we claim a crucified Jesus as Savior and be surprised when the world hates us? And why are we so bitter all the time? If anyone should be equipped in this life to know how to endure hatred from the world, it's the people who have a cross on top of their church. Do we long to be friends with the world? Are we we angry because we're cultural misfits? Or are we bearing witness about Jesus because we've been chosen out of the world and we no longer find our joy in it? Unless Jesus becomes our joy, we will crave acceptance from the world. And this morning, I invite you to receive the joy of the gospel and to not give a dang what the world thinks. And that begins with repentance and faith. Let's pray. Father, you are gracious and good and kind and beautiful and merciful, and the world is so ugly, so mean, so biased. And you have open arms, you have a love unconditional. And that's like a foreign language to the world. You were willing to send your son to die for the very criminals who broke your holy law. You were willing to forgive. You were willing to accept. You were willing to receive. You were willing to justify. And the world doesn't even have a category for that. Give us the strength to stand apart from the world and be okay being misfits. Give us a love for your son Jesus greater than our love for the world. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.